the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Judges. to be making decisions based upon facts and sometimes facts are very different from our feelings and facts are more reliable so when it comes to really understanding what God wants and who God is and who we are in relation to God we have to understand the facts not just our feelings so it's okay if we sometimes feel like God has abandoned me God has forsaken me but that doesn't mean that he has God is always with us he is an ever-present help in times of trouble No matter how you feel about it, God is always there. When it doesn't feel like He is, it may be time to examine your heart to make sure you aren't the one that's turned your back on Him. With all the distractions in the world trying to pull your attention from Him, it can be easy to forget about Him. But Pastor Gary is going to encourage you today to remember that God's the source of everything you need. Strengthen your trials, hope in your confusion, and joy in your pain. He never leaves you. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Judges, chapter 6, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. Judges, chapter 6, I'm going to pray. And then we're going to dive in. We left off actually right around verse 11 when we were just introduced to Gideon. But I'm going to back up to verse 1 and read up to that point where we left off just so we get kind of a running start. So we're looking here through the book of Judges. I'm going to start reading here at at chapter 6, verse 1. So it says, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds, which are in the mountains. And so it was, whenever Israel had sown, that is, you know, they planted in the fields, Midianites would come up, also Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them, and then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza, And leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And it came to pass, when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites, That the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, now this is some unknown prophet, but the Lord speaking through this prophet. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, 
I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage and delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And also I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. So he's recalling, look at how good God has been. This is what God has done. And then he adds, but you have not obeyed my voice. And so verse 11, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abizarite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And so this is where we left off last week. There are 12 judges mentioned in the book of Judges. These are, again, not black-robed officials with gavels. These are military heroes and deliverers that God raises up. There are 12 of them mentioned in the book of Judges itself. The ones in capital letters are considered the major judges. The ones in lowercase letters are more of the minor Judges, they don't have as much, at least in terms of the printed page, they don't get as much press coverage in, in the scriptures. And so we are at number five, Gideon. Following Deborah and her judgeship over Israel, Israel experienced 40 years of peace. And during that time of peace, they got lazy with God. And so the Lord then brought the Midianites and the Amalekites and other peoples from the east to besiege his own people. Why does God do this? Because God loves us enough that once in a while he needs to spank us. Right? Can we all testify to this? So when the people of Israel rebelled against God, started worshiping false gods with the neighboring nations around them that were all pagan, in other words, they adopted the culture. It's a very strong warning we must heed from the Bible. Don't ever adopt the culture. You know, we need to be influencing the culture, not the other way around. Sadly, in some churches today, that is the commentary, that the culture has influenced the church more than the church has influenced the culture. And so many churches have gone woke, and it's a real tragedy. But it is what it is, and so we should be on our guard against it too, because, listen, none of us is above uh, failure or sin, and so thereby the grace of God go I. You know, except for God's grace, we could all go astray. And so we need to guard our hearts. And there's the tendency to allow the culture to just, you know, draw us in and seduce us in many different ways. This is what happened in Israel. They loved God. They had peace with God. And then they started liking the cultural things around them that were pagan. They started adopting these pagan cultural practices. And so God said, I got to spank you now so you get back to me. And so he would bring these foreign uh, nations. In other words, it's like you want the pagan gods and you're going to get the pagan people. And uh, how's that going to feel? So the Midianites come. And the Bible says here that their army was as numerous as locusts. Like, like, in other words, just like an army, a swarm of locusts came upon the land here in the Jezreel Valley. This is where the story's taking place. And it was just too numerous to count. But God's going to use the Midianites to discipline God's people. And you heard as I was reading the opening verses there in chapter 6 that the Israelites were scared. They're hiding in caves, they're hiding in dens. Gideon here is threshing wheat in a wine press. You would never thresh wheat in a wine press. You would thresh wheat in the open uh, air of a threshing floor. But because everybody's hiding from the Midianites, he's down in a wine press, which is usually carved out of the ground, usually the bedrock. And there he is threshing wheat, trying to separate the kernels of grain that are edible from the chaff. 
and he's hiding. This is the posture of the Israelites. It's sad, isn't it, that this went on for seven years before they cried out to God. For seven long years, they are allowing all of this to happen. They're hiding. They're not really turning to God. Uh, But God is going to raise up Gideon here because finally they start to cry out to God. We're oppressed. The Midianites, the Amalekites, all these people are coming against us, Lord. And so they're crying out. God in his mercy raises up one deliver after another. When you look at the list of 12 here, these are 12 different times that God was merciful. Just in the book of Judges alone, right? So, I mean, think about how many times has God been merciful to you? How many times have we really messed it up and yet God was merciful to us again and again and again? And so he's so faithful and he's so merciful. We should never take advantage of his mercy. We should never trample on the blood of Christ or dishonor the grace that he's given us. But it is good to know that he is such a merciful God. And so here he comes along again. He's going to raise up Gideon. Now, Gideon, a little background on him. His name in Hebrew means hewer, like one who cuts down or one who chisels. He's also called Jeroboam which means let Baal contend. It was given to Gideon to commemorate his destruction of his father's altar to Baal at Ophrah. We'll talk about that if we get to it. And he is the most written about judge in the entire book of Judges. He gets like 102 verses. Next to him, Samson gets like 98 verses. So he gets the most press coverage than any other of the judges. He happens to be my personal favorite just because this is one of these stories where You just have to kind of love the underdog, and you have to kind of love this guy's humility. You have to love how unassuming he is. And and so we're going to see here why God chose him. But Gideon doesn't know why God chose him. So it really is a marvelous story. But as we just read here in verse 11, the angel of the Lord appears to him. And I mentioned this is not just an ordinary angel. This is a phrase that often is used in the Old Testament to mean that the Lord himself has taken on human form and appeared to somebody. This is what we call in theological terms a Christophany. And for you note-takers, a Christophany from two Greek words, Christos, of course, meaning Christ, and phanero, meaning to be revealed or to manifest. And so a Christophany is a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. What does that mean? It means the manifestation of Jesus in human form prior to his birth through the Virgin Mary. So we have to understand that even though Jesus, as we understand Jesus, God in flesh, took on flesh and dwelt among us, as John writes in John chapter 1, that was not the beginning of Jesus. That was just the manifestation of Jesus when he took on human flesh and when the seed of God by the Holy Spirit impregnated Mary, this virgin, young, Israeli, Jewish girl, and then God then taking on flesh, then entered our world and became for us that perfect sacrifice, dying for us on a cross. But before that event, God has always been God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God revealed in three persons. So Jesus has coexisted and is co-eternal and co-equal with God the Father because Jesus is God. Meaning before he came into the human race through the birth, uh, through Mary, always having existed, being co-equal, co-eternal and co-existent with God, he sometimes appears in the Old Testament and has conversations with people. And this is one of these times. Now, we'll see as we go through the chapter, it'll become more plain to you that this is, in fact, the Lord and not just some angel. But in the Old Testament, this is what we call a Christophany, the manifestation of Jesus in human form prior to his birth through the Virgin Mary. And he appears to Gideon here in Ophrah, there in verse 11, 
Ophrah today is called Teba. Uh, Teba is a town in the West Bank. It is about nine miles northeast of Jerusalem. And this is where Gideon is. And the Lord appears to him there in this particular place, as I mentioned, as Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press. And the angel of the Lord there in verse 12 appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now, when you see, as we go through this chapter, just how humble Gideon is, how unassuming he is, this is startling to him, that God would show up and call him the mighty man of valor. Gideon's like, who are you talking about? You know, not me, because he doesn't see that. I love Romans 4.17. It says, God calls things that are not as though they were. Because God always sees beyond what we can see, even including his use of us. And for Gideon, he didn't see himself as a mighty man of valor. He wasn't a warrior. He's hiding out in a wine press threshing wheat. But God sees him as a warrior. There are things that God sees about us that we don't necessarily see about ourselves. The worst thing is when we see about ourselves more than God sees. That's the bad place to be. But when we just stay humble and unassuming, and then God desires to use us because he sees in us a potential we can't even see in ourselves, that's a wonderful way that God gets the glory for things. And Gideon is such an individual. And the reason why God is raising up Gideon is because of this cycle that we've been talking about through the whole book of Judges. That when there's peace, Israel does well for a time, and then they fall into the sin of idolatry, and then Israel's oppressed by their enemies, Israel cries out to the Lord, and then God raises up a judge, and then Israel is delivered. And the judge that God is raising up here is Gideon. And so, as the Lord appears here to Gideon, we're going to see that Gideon asks God three questions. Here's the first one. It's in verse 13. Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. So here are these three questions that Gideon asks. And the first one is, if God is good, why are bad things happening to us? It is a common question that has been asked through the ages. People always are wanting to know, if God is so good, why are these terrible things happening? Now, in Gideon's mind, he thinks that God has forsaken them. Because that's the word that he uses there at the end of verse 13. But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Well, that isn't true, but that's what it feels like. There are many times in our lives we can feel like God has abandoned us. We can feel like God has forsaken us. We can feel like God is not hearing our prayers or answering our prayers. But how many of you know your feelings are not reliable? There are a lot of times we feel things. And our feelings can be legitimate, but they're not always reliable. And there's a big difference. Don't make decisions based on your feelings. There's too much of our world right now that defines life based on feelings. I feel this, I feel that, tomorrow I might feel the other way. You know, and it's just, that's why, you know, in all seriousness, not making a joke about it, that's why in the gender confusion issue, why some people refer to themselves as gender fluid, because they don't know. It's so vacillating to them. They don't have clarity on it. There's such confusion about it. Okay, so feelings are not something that we should be making decisions based upon. We need to be making decisions based upon facts. And sometimes facts are very different from our feelings. And facts are more reliable. So when it comes to really understanding what God wants and 
who God is and who we are in relation to God, we have to understand the facts, not just our feelings. So it's okay if we sometimes feel like God has abandoned me, God has forsaken me, but that doesn't mean that he has. God is always with us. He is an ever-present help in times of trouble. And so sometimes it might feel like you're all alone, but always know that Jesus said that I will never leave you nor forsake you. And we have to just stand on some of those verses sometimes and know that, okay, this is what God has reminded us of. He's that friend, Jesus said, that sticks closer than a brother. And so we have to be reminded, even when I don't feel like that, God is near to me and God loves me and God cares about me. A couple of weeks ago when we were in Luke 13 on a Sunday morning, uh, the title of my message was The Theology of Tragedy. And we talked about this kind of thing where, you know, why do bad things happen in our lives? And is that a reflection on a good God? And uh, one of the things that I didn't mention on that Sunday that I want to remind us about is out of Psalm 73. You can turn there. You can just listen. The psalmist, it's a psalm of Asaph in Psalm 73. And Asaph asks similar questions about, you know, the world and, and how come people seem to be doing so well, but not me. And where's God in all of my difficulty? And it really is a wonderful psalm if you're going through challenges where you're questioning you know, how come, how come my neighbor that doesn't love Jesus seems to be getting promoted at work, has a wonderful family, things seem to be going great. And I love Jesus and my world's falling apart and my husband just left me and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, how come this and how come that? Asaph was asking the same question. Things aren't different. No, we're, we're just living, living in a different time, but humanity is the same. And the God of humanity is still the same. And the God of the Bible is still the same. So in Psalm 73, this is what it says. Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. But as for me, Asaph says, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They have more than heart could wish. They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walks through the earth. Therefore, his people return here and waters of a full cup are drained by them. And they say, how does God know? And is there knowledge in the most high? Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in riches. Surely I've cleansed my heart in vain. Like, like, you know, like I'm trying to follow God for no good reason. And I've washed my hands in innocence, for all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. He goes on and on and on, and then he says this, until I went into the sanctuary of God, and then I understood their end. And he continues to write, but the point is this, there are times we can look at the world and we can say, how come... Some people don't seem to have any problems, and my world is exploding, and why this and why that? And then Asaph says, until I went to the house of God, and then I realized, you know what? There's an eternity to all this, and I'm on the right side of that plan. And no matter what other people are getting by with or how good they have it in their life, there's no better place than to be than to be in right standing with God, because at the end of the day, when all this burns and I die and return to dust, I'm going to go to be with the Lord forever and ever. Amen. And sometimes, sometimes we have to just, you know, maintain that perspective and just persevere and say, okay, 
you know, I press on to take hold of that which Christ has taken hold of me. And I can't compare the present sufferings. My present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that should be revealed to, to me in Christ Jesus. So it is this understanding that there is a future and there is a hope. And sometimes we just have to persevere, trust God, lean on him, press into him. And at the end of the day, we're going to spend eternity with him. And, and it will be worth it. All of our present sufferings, Paul said, are not worth comparing to the glory that awaits me in Christ Jesus. So back here in Judges 6, you know, Gideon is struggling with this. He's like, the Midianites have oppressed us. Why are all these bad things happening to us? Now keep this in mind. He's asking this question, and there's actually going to be the revelation of an issue that we'll see in a moment as to why these bad things are happening. He doesn't quite get it yet, but nevertheless, this is his question to God, and he's struggling with this. Now, in verse 14, God doesn't specifically answer the question. Don't you love that about the Lord? It's like, it's like God's prerogative. He doesn't have to answer the question. Sometimes we wouldn't get the answer anyway. So God just kind of plows through. In verse 14, then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? You know, Gideon's like, why have all these bad things happened? And God's answer is, why don't you just go and fight the Midianites and I'll be with you. And then he asks the second question, Gideon does, verse 15. So he said to him, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Okay, here's the second question. How could God use me? How could God use me? Now, he's of the tribe of Manasseh. There's ten tribes of Israel. Manasseh is the smallest of the twelve tribes. So Manasseh is the smallest of the twelve tribes. He says, and my clan, so every tribe had a clan, and every clan had families, and every family's had an individual within. So he says, my tribe is Manasseh, which is the smallest of the tribes. He says, my clan is the weakest, so I'm the weakest within the smallest of the tribes. And then he adds, and I am the least in my father's house. You can't get any smaller than that. He's like the smallest tribe, the weakest clan, and I'm the last of the least of my father's house. Like, I am the lowest of the low and the smallest of the small in the entire nation of Israel. Now, I don't know if that's true, but that's how he's feeling. At least it's true that he's a part of the smallest tribe. So he's like, I'm a nobody. I'm a zero. I am absolutely worthless to anybody. That's why I'm threshing wheat in a wine press, for goodness sakes. Don't you see what I'm doing here, God? So he says, how could God use me? Now, if you've ever asked that question, because you sincerely mean it, like, I don't know if I have much to contribute, and I don't really know how God could use me. Guess what? You're exactly who God is looking for. The last person God wants is somebody who says, I'm here, Lord. Oh, yeah. And I know you're happy about that, too, aren't you? Thank you for showing up here in Ophrah, because I've been waiting for you, because I know you need me. No, he doesn't. He doesn't need any of us. We need to get this. He doesn't need any of us, but he delights to use us for his glory. And he delights to use Gideon. There's a reason he picked the lowest of the lowest and the smallest of the small. Because God's going to get the glory out of all of this. But there are many people in the Bible that God chose this way. Moses. Moses was a reluctant leader. Moses was like, get somebody else. You know, I have have a stuttering speech impediment, which he did. And God solved that too. And he says, okay, fine. We'll use Aaron, your brother. He'll speak on your behalf, but you're going to go. Ah. I thought that one would get me out of it. No, you're going to go. 
Well, I'm, I'm at retirement age. He's 80 years old when God says, I want you to go deliver the Israelites. He's like, I'm 80. I'm, you know, I'm living in the villages in Florida. I'm enjoying Social Security. Why, why in the world do you want me now? Yeah, you're my man. Go. You're exactly who I want. You know, Esther was a reluctant princess. Jonah was a reluctant prophet. There are plenty of people in the Bible reluctant to serve the Lord, and yet God chose them because God sees what he can do through us. Thank you for joining us today here on Cornerstone Connection. You've been listening to a message from the book of Judges. It's a great reminder to the kid inside us, to the human flesh that is a bent to fulfill its own desires. Whatever we do, someone always sees it. Nothing goes unnoticed, especially those things we wished had been overlooked. Isn't that the role of a parent, though, to discipline the behavior of sin? Jesus is the same way with the Israelite nation and us. He doesn't allow sin to go without consequence. But He's also lovingly fair and desires each one of us to return to Him. Maybe you felt like that kid who's gotten off track with God. We can't be perfect, but we can pray that we'll have the strength to do what's right and follow in God's footsteps. Are you struggling with that? Would you like someone to pray with you? If so, please email us at prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. Cornerstone Connection is a ministry located in Leesburg, Virginia, committed to sharing the love of Christ with you through sound biblical teachings that meet you where you're at. To find out more about us, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. That website again is cornerstoneconnection.cc. Thanks for listening to this edition of Cornerstone Connection. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.